When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by William Morrow and Reprieve by James Hahn Matson. On April 27, 1997, four contestants make it to the final cell of the Quigley House, a full-contact haunted escape room in Lincoln, Nebraska, made famous for its monstrosities, booby traps, and ghoulishly costumed actors. But before they can complete the challenge, a man breaks into the cell and kills one of the contestants. A soulful exploration of complicity and masquerade, Reprieve combines the psychological tension of classic horror with searing social criticism to present an unsettling portrait of this tangled American life. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 113, and we are recording on Sunday, October 17th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Nezra Javid, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Nezra. How are you? Hello, hello. I am coming to you from my new office that is populated with books and boxes and all kinds of crap. So you can imagine how I am exhausted, but also (laughs) I am drowning in boxes, basically. How about you? (laughs) Well, I'm not drowning in boxes. Um, I'm drowning a little bit in in seasonal allergies. But other than that, I'm pretty good. I'm just, you know, just kind of acclimating back to normal life after being gone on vacation, which has taken a little bit longer than I expected, probably just because it's like as soon as you come back from a vacation, and then you go back to work, and all of a sudden, it's just like problems, 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 problems just dumped on you. (laughs) And then you're like, Oh, no. Why did I come back? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. And I'm like, can I take another week? Like, good Lord. Yeah, just the first few hours of being back at work, my I was still tired. But I yeah, I was just kind of walking around like, okay, I am not banging on all cylinders right now. So I had to preemptively (laughs) apologize to my coworkers. I'm like, I'm not feeling with it today, so you're going to have to give me a little leeway. It's going to take me a few days. So (laughs) I love it. Yeah, getting back into it, but yeah, overall, just kind of like, okay, I'm tired. Yeah. Time to get some some sleep back and adjust to new time zones. Yeah, vacation from your vacation, basically, is how I see it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I have to say that I have, like... Preparing for this episode feels like the first time I've picked up a book in like three weeks. So I haven't been reading a ton lately. Have you been reading anything recently? (laughs) So uh, like I I just mentioned for the past two weeks, it's all even I've been packing my books and I've like, I don't know what this optimistic part of me, I was putting aside these books. Oh, I want to read this before we move. Oh, I want to read this before we move. And what ended up happening was those books were just kept on the side. And then we had to make another trip to go get those books because they were not packed. So, but like after just seeing your certain tweet yesterday, I did start pick up the book that you mentioned. It's uh, White Smoke by Tiffany D. Jackson. And I'm not going to talk about it more. I'm just going to leave it at that because 
yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. But that's what I start, picked up yesterday. And it's uh, super intriguing, super easy to read. And I think this is the book that's going to get me out of that, you know, do I even have time to read anymore feeling that you get when you're like, which that you just start feeling after it's been a while since you actually sat down with the book. So I'm excited. But that's other than that. But when we picked out the topic for this uh, episode, I was very excited because I had already read my two picks for this episode. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, I have I just started that, but nothing other than that on the radar. <laughs> yeah, I've just kind of it kind of fall into the habit of not reading over the last few weeks, and so I kind of got to get back into the habit. But on that note, I am also very eager to jump into this episode. So why don't you go ahead and give us our first sponsor, and then we can uh, continue on with the fun stuff. Absolutely. This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored in part by Forge Books. Spencer Quinn's It's a Wonderful Wolf presents an all-new adventure for Shed the Dog and his human partner, P.I. Bernie Little. Holiday time in the valley and in the holiday spirit, Bernie refers a potential client to Victor Klowoski, a fellow private eye. It's also true that the case... Promising little action doesn't appeal to Bernie, while it seems perfect for Victor, who is not cut out for rough stuff. But Victor disappears in a rough stuff way, and when he doesn't show up at his mom's to light the Hanukkah candles, she hires Jet and Bernie to find him. It's a Wonderful Wolf by New York Times and USA Today bestselling author Spencer Quinn is on sale now wherever books are sold. We thank Forge Books and Spencer Quinn for sponsoring the show. All right. So if you are a new listener, welcome. We are delighted to have you with us. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. As always, we are so delighted to have so many people continue to put us in their ears every two weeks. And like I said at the top of the show, this is our podcast about mysteries and thrillers and suspense novels and true crime and just about anything that falls under that mysterious umbrella. So if it's movie adaptations or new subgenres that we haven't explored or author read-alikes or just, you know, fun, timely topics, as long as it's related to mystery and suspense, it's fair game and we're probably going to cover it. And this is the part of the show where we always put out a call to our listeners, and we always love soliciting ideas from our listeners for suggestions for upcoming episodes. They really help us plan out so many of our episodes that we've done in the past years. It's a great way to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. Just a win-win situation all around. So if you have any ideas or recommendations, you can shoot us an email or reach out via social media. We're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes, so you don't have to worry about getting it down now. We just like to put out that call ahead of time, get those creative juices flowing. And even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, there is nothing we love more. So if you want to reach out to us, we even if you don't have an idea, that's awesome. And if you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us and join this fabulous little community that we've helped create over the years. And with that, again, it the uh, news world in terms of mysteries and suspense has been hasn't been a whole lot happening. But there was one pretty big news item that dropped recently, and we were like, okay, yeah, we've, we've got to talk about this a little bit. So most, most mystery fans are familiar with Sue Grafton's Alphabet series and the Kinsey Malone series. That's A is for alibi, B is for burglar, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
super, super popular series. And Sue Grafton passed away after she finished writing the, and of course, I can't remember what Y stands for, but the Y book in the series. Um, after that was published was when she passed away. So she never got a chance to write the last book in the series. And one of the things about Sue Grafton was that in her lifetime, she was absolutely adamant that she did not want her books adapted for film, for TV. She didn't want anyone to touch them. Well, now the powers that be have announced that her Alphabet series will be adapted for TV, despite the fact that she expressly stated in her lifetime that she did not want them adapted at any point whatsoever. So what we know now is that exclusive rights have been sold to A&E Studios, and the studio can develop the entirety of the series for television. Her husband, Steve Humphrey, apparently is going to serve as executive producer, and... It's one of those things where I'm not quite sure what happened. I don't know. Obviously, there's probably legal stuff involved about, you know, rights and, you know, who has the ability now that she's passed away to determine what happens to her books and stuff like that. But a lot of people are thinking this is kind of a crappy thing to do, especially since it really seems to go against everything that the author said that she wanted for her books. And yes, she is no longer living, but in my opinion, that kind of just makes it feel even crappier that she's not alive to, you know, present, you know, her argument against doing it. What are your thoughts on this, Nezra? I second everyone who thinks that this is a crappy thing to do because it really is. That I mean, I I can understand her has like like for the secret history, for instance, right? How Donna Dart always says that I don't want that book adapted. I don't want that to come on television. And I think as readers, as people who you know consume those stories, we owe that much respect or that much authority to the creator of those works that if they say no, that just means like, no, don't do it. Don't mess with it. And like you said, especially the fact that, you know, uh, Sue Grafton has passed away, may she rest in peace. And, and do, it's almost feels like doing it behind her back. And it's, it's just, it's just a shady thing to do. I am again, uh, I'm not sure what might have gone into this and, you know, I'm sure they're going to be, what legal legal repercussions there are or how it passed into their hands. But it's it just feels like a shady thing to do. And I don't think I will be watching this series, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's like you said, we don't know we don't have all the information. We don't know what happened, but just mm-hmm. based on the facts that we do have, that this is that the rights have been sold and the author ex- has expressly mentioned multiple times that she did not want her books adapted in any way. It just you know, with all of the material that's out there that, you know, that authors do want to, they do want to work with production companies to adapt their work. Like, there's so much material out there. Well, I, I'm asking the hypothet- hypothetical question, why is that? Why are they doing this? Well, obviously, because they think there's interest in it and that there's money involved. That's the answer. But it just, you know, there's so much other the other stuff that can be adapted. I agree. And yet we're, you know, we're still getting this. So, yeah, I don't, I'm sure there are lots of different opinions about this. And again, we're only getting a small portion of 
the the full picture. But I'm sure uh, if any of you listeners have have thoughts, let let us know. Yeah, I have to say I have only read one of the Kinsey Malone series, and apparently it, I I randomly picked. I think it was. It's K is for knife, I think is the book. It's either K is for killer or K is for knife, and I think it's knife. Anyway, I picked that one randomly just because my first name starts with a K. I know, I'm so original. (laughs) And I read it, and after I finished, because the book ended very abruptly, and after I talked to some, some other librarians, actually, who had, you know, read more of the series, they were like, that is the worst possible book to start with in the series. They were like, it doesn't fit with the rest of the series. It ends abruptly. And everyone who read it was like, what happened? So if you are interested in reading the Kinsey Malone series, do not start with the K book. Pick virtually any other one and you'll probably do just fine. I really enjoyed the book up until the ending. But yeah, if you if you want to, I, it sounds like if you want to get a good idea of what the series is, don't start with K. Um, <laughs> Katie has spoken. Katie has spoken. Katie with the K has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, K is for Katie saying don't start with, with the K book. <laughs> but yeah, so obviously as soon as, you know, whenever there's more developments around the story we will we will definitely be talking about it but yeah that was just kind of an oddity that i definitely wanted to, wanted to make sure that sure that we covered that was kind of a big one and uh gosh with that let's let's jump into this discussion nezra kick us off you came up with this idea and i absolutely loved it all right my soul is ready so <laughs> today we're going to talk about books basically about haunted houses and these can be these will range from anywhere from just classic old mysteries to outright horror so brace yourselves but we wanted to make sure our listeners were going into the season of halloween prepared with you know reads that they could fly through during the night instead and you know to keep themselves up all night so we just wanted to make sure that our listeners were equipped with the right resources but the reason I think we also wanted to do this is because this is something that I, for me personally, whenever someone says horror, the first thing that jumps into my, my mind is all, like haunted house. That's that's the first. Whenever someone says, what do you want to do in Halloween? We're like, haunted house. Let's go to that haunted house. Let's go to that haunted house, right? So it's just something so traditionally and timelessly horrific about a haunted house <laughs> that just perfectly captures the essence of I think of I think what uh, you know suspense mystery in general so that's why we wanted to do this one but before we head off into our picks this is a question you know we wanted to throw out there why do you think AD haunted houses are something you know like wh- why do you think this is such a timeless topic well I'm I'm very much like you like when I think horror I think haunted houses this is by far, ghosts and haunted houses are my favorite subgenre of this type of horror, or if it veers into psychological suspense. If it's haunted houses, I am there 100%. Like, almost all of my favorite horror movies involve haunted houses. And I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of different things that we can talk about, but I... We'll start with the well. We'll start with the basic idea that uh, that for a lot of people they really enjoy being scared. You know, just horror and you know fe- that that type of dread is very entertaining for people when it's done in a in a fictional way. And for me, I feel like haunted houses are that trope is one of the scariest for me. 
and like I'm give or take on certain kind of certain kind of monsters. I don't usually go for zombie movies or vampires or werewolves or that kind of a thing. Haunted houses and ghosts scare me because the stories typically take place in and a place where you are supposed to feel safe. It's supposed to be familiar. You're supposed to be with the people that you that you love or that care about you. You know, you're in your home, theoretically. And then you have this other presence that disrupts that feeling of safety. And now everything is just thrown out of whack. And that, and, I mean, just think about that feeling when, you know, you're at home or you're, you're in bed, you're going to sleep, and then you hear a noise that's unfamiliar. And all of a sudden, you don't know what's going on. You, you feel unsafe. Like, it's just a very visceral feeling of horror. And I think that's, that there's just, just something really potent about that. And even, you know, even in real life, whether or not you believe in actual ghosts or haunted houses, I mean, that's a whole other topic, but you know the sensation of something is not right in this house. And it could be like, you know, there's fears of home invasion and just other things that make you feel unsafe in, in a place where you're supposed to feel safe. And I think that's one of the things that makes them so universally popular is that it's just, it's a feeling that everyone can relate to, I think. I I agree. Yeah. So the like the way I see it is when you run away from something, you run to home, right? You run home. But what if that thing is inside your home? Then where do you run to? <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that is one of the reasons why everyone just, because this is a thought that I, I'm sure everyone has had at some point or another, like, what if, right? What if you hear a noise in the middle of the night and you're like, is that, is there, is there someone in my house? Is there something in my house? And a lot of us enjoy scenarios being played out in books about around that. And, you know, some of us just enjoy a good scare. And then some of us, you know, also read it as just like me, for instance. I just like to read those so that I can shut the voices in my head and tell them that, no, these are just, you know, I read the book. This is not happening in my real house. You know, <laughs> like this is just in, like, so I get that part of my imagination and everything taken care of while I'm reading that book. So yeah, like I said, it's a, we actually, uh, some of my friends, we have a haunted house escapade planned for this Halloween. It's going to be super exciting. I live, I live in uh, the suburbs of San Francisco. And if you, uh, towards the northern side, there's this mystery house called Winchester Mystery House. I don't know if you... Oh, I love the Winchester Mystery House. It's so cool. Yeah. So they usually always have like a Halloween themed something planned around it so we're either gonna do that or we have another like we have we're we're scouting for a lot of halloween haunted houses to see which one you want to go to which one's of course the safest in these times but yeah so i'm ready (laughs) (laughs) i take this very seriously (laughs) yes and i would love for you to kick us off with your first pick because this is also one of my absolute favorite haunted house books and i want to muppet arm along with you about this book. All right. Okay. So, so my first pick is The Good House by Tanana Reeve Du. And before I g- jump into The Good House, so the Tanana Reeve Du is one of those authors who I find myself recommending to anyone who enjoys Stephen King's works. And here's why. Because if you ever read a Stephen King novel, it's very it's very large usually. It's very unedited. But, but he likes to 
he likes to disperse out like these seedlings of stories. So like they're like seven stories out in the world all at once. And then they come together. So the Nana do in this story does a lot of that as well. And her writing style is also very easy to read deceptively easy to read like there are layers between what she's saying and like you discover that as you read it so it's fantastic and I did this on audio and I believe it was narrated by uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna double check on that but the audiobook performance was fantastic and just a little bit about what this book is about we have Angela Dusson who is working to rebuild her life after her son has died by suicide and She has moved away from the house where it happened. She's moved away from the small town where it happened. And she's trying to, you know, build a life away from that. But then two, I believe it's two years later or one year, two years later. I think one or two years later. Uh, I read this a while back ago, so I don't remember the exact time. But one or two years later, she finds herself having to go back to that house again. To it, it is her family house. It's in their family to go back to that house and you know get it ready for sale. And so she goes back there and she finds herself trying to reconcile. You know what happened? What happened to her son? What happened to her family? What has been happening to her family through the ages? Right. And as we unravel this story, a lot of dark things happen in this book. Right. Like there are animals dying bad things are happening to people bad things are happening to children around in this town around this house and as we follow the story of the Tucson family we learn what has been happening in that house and you know I'm trying to keep it to a minimum because I went in knowing about what I've told you about that book and for me the like the maximum enjoyment was finding out all these little pieces and how everything connected but there are a lot of storylines playing out and then they all come together. And this book is very dark. It does not let up for a minute. If you are, you know, hoping for a humor horror read, this is not it. It is dark, but it's also so incredibly based, so incredibly written. And it's very sharp. Like the dialogue is very diverse in the sense that, you know, how where there's so many characters, everything starts mingling into one. You really can't tell who's saying what. Every character has a very distinct voice, a distinct personality. And this book is almost 500, almost 600 pages. And you won't know it. You just become so invested in it. So whenever I think Haunted House now, this is the book I think of. It's so, so incredibly well done. And that's The Good House by Tanana Reeve Do. Yeah, I read that uh, for the first time, probably close to 10 years ago. And it's hands down one of my favorite haunted house stories. It's such a rich story, like you said, with so many layers. The characters are so well realized, and she takes her time to build up the setting and the story, and you're just immersed in it. It never feels rushed. It doesn't feel like it's dragging. There's just all of these little pieces that are coming together, and you just feel so much like you're in the hands of a skilled storyteller. Hands down, one of my absolute favorites. Mm-hmm. And the audiobook is narrated by Robin Miles, who is, of course, the queen of audiobook narrations. Just wanted to put that out there. The audiobook is fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, before I jump into my first pick, let me go ahead and I'll do our uh, second sponsor, which is us, Book Riot, and the limited time Book Riot merchandise that has been created just in time for Book Riot's 10-year anniversary. Whether you are new to the Book Riot community or have been with us from the beginning, we've got new Book Riot swag so you can show off your love for all things bookish available only for the month of October. 
We've got t-shirts, super soft and comfy hoodies, tote bags, and more, all with the Book Riot logo and in our signature colors. Yellow is very fall-friendly, we're just saying. So go to bookriot.com merch to pick up your 10-year anniversary items. That's bookriot.com merch. And we thank Book Riot for sponsoring this episode. And I would totally be lying if I said I had not already ordered a new hoodie. Same. (laughs) I have an old Book Riot hoodie from, you know, several years ago. Mm -hmm. And I've worn it so much that it's starting to get really thin. I think there might be a hole in the armpit. That is also the second Book Riot hoodie I've gone through (laughs) because the first one I wore through. So I'm like, okay, I need a new one. So yeah, definitely ordered myself a new one. (laughs) Yeah, mine is on its way too. I ordered the... Uh, yellow color because it looked fantastic and like you I had one hoodie before that and I think there's a rip in the arm because I've just worn it so much so I am ready for my new one (laughs) yes and my when I was looking at sweatshirts my husband Blaine was sitting next to me and he was like can I get a shirt? I'm like, yes, you can. So we're going to be rocking the Book Riot merchandise in the Horner household. I'm just saying. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So my first pick is the book that Nazra alluded to at the beginning of the episode. That is White Smoke by Tiffany D. Jackson. And when I first heard about this book just coming out, I was immediately just sign me up. I need this immediately right now. And that was because it was described as the haunting of Hill House meets Get Out. And as I've mentioned many times before, anytime you compare something to Get Out and you do it accurately, I am immediately going, that's up my alley. And of course, Haunted House, I'm I'm down for just about any kind of Haunted House story. And I am delighted to say that this book was just about everything that I had hoped for. Really, really enjoyed it. And like I, I mentioned previously, the month of September was just so busy at work, in my personal life, just all of these things happening. I re- it's been a long time since I have actually picked up a book to read. And like, I had fallen out of the habit. I had been checking out books, but like not reading them. So finally, I was like, all right, I'm going to pick up this one. It fits the podcast theme, and we're just gonna, you know, we'll see how far I can get through it. And so last night, I'm like, oh, I'm really not far, but you know what? I'm just gonna see how far I can get through it, see what I can talk about for the podcast. This was about 10 in the evening. 1 a.m. in the morning, I went, oh, wow, I finished it. (laughs) It was so good. It was such a page turner. So the premise of the book, so the main character is Mary, short for Marigold. And she is part of a recently blended family. So her mom and her brother have combined households with her mother's new husband and his 10-year-old daughter, Piper. And the five of them have been given an opportunity to move to this Midwestern city called Cedarville, where um, her mom, who is a writer, was granted a residency in Cedarville. Uh, It gives them free lodging for three years. And at the beginning of the book, you find out that there there are some things happened in their old home in California that was around Mary. So something happened with Mary. Pretty quickly, you understand that it's like, okay, there was something maybe she needed psychological help or with drugs or something something significant happened. And so they were like, okay, this is going to be a fresh start for our family. 
Well, as pretty much if you if you find yourself in a horror novel and find yourself moving to a new home in a new neighborhood, things are not going to work out well for you. So that's the first problem. <laughs> so they move into this house that has been on Maple Street, which the house has been newly renovated, really gorgeous, but every other house on the block is boarded up. Some houses look like they've been that there were fires that happened, the yards are overgrown, the neighbors in other, you know, in the area are very very wary, and you can tell there is, there's something very off going on here. So that's like the outside world. Now, in the inside world, things inside the house, things are happening. Household items vanish, doors open and close on their own, lights turn on and off. Mary starts seeing shadows. She starts smelling weird, just really nasty odors coming from the house. There's a door down to the basement that everyone has been ordered. You're not to go into the basement. That needs to stay locked. You cannot go down there. So, okay, yeah, that's totally normal. And then on top of all of that, Mary's 10-year-old stepsister, Piper, keeps talking about a friend who wants Mary gone from the house. And Piper is also not the easiest 10-year-old stepsister to live with. So there's a lot of stuff going on in this house. And then there's, and then of course, there's stuff in the outside world happening as well that's, you know, like, okay, there's some shady stuff going on. And little by little, you also find out about Mary's past and what happened back in California that caused her family to basically, you know, just uproot themselves and move to a completely new town. It's This book is just full of secrets. And what I noticed about this book, going back to the original description, The Haunting of Hill House meets Get Out. At first, I saw that and I was like, okay, they picked Haunting of Hill House because it's a well-known ghost story. The Netflix series came out a few years ago. You know, it's well-known. But I think it's actually a pretty good comparison just in terms of the type of horror that is happening in the house in that the things happening in the house are very subtle. This is not like you know, the end of the paranormal activity movies where people are being, like, dragged by invisible forces down the halls or something like that. It's not that obvious. And, in fact, a lot of the things happening could potentially be explained by, oh, someone forgot to put this away. Someone forgot to turn the light off. Did I actually close that door? You know, or it's an old house. Doors are going to open and shut, that kind of thing. So there's a lot happening that... Isn't it's not immediately apparent that hey could this be you know something spooky happening in the house or is it just random everyday occurrences that just are collecting to form you know this this kind of creepy feeling now one of the other things that I do want to mention about this book I, I will give it its own trigger warning Mary's character has pretty extreme anxiety specifically around bed bugs. Now, I'm not, that doesn't factor into the stuff that I need to tell you about, but the it does come up a fair amount in the book. And that is a very specific thing that, not surprisingly, a lot of people, as soon as they hear that, they go, oh God, no, 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 no. So just be aware that is a, a fairly significant component of the book. But so also is Mary's anxiety and her, you know, her overall mental state 
from the stuff that happened in her past and her ongoing struggles with anxiety. It's it's very potent and it can feel very it can feel very claustrophobic and, and overwhelming. That being said, this book it was just such a page turner. Oh my gosh. It was creepy. It was kind of paranoid. There's like stuff going on outside, stuff going on inside. Like it was so good. I was just so happy that this book really delivered on what it promised. So again, that is White Smoke by Tiffany D. Jackson and everyone needs to pick it up immediately. Oh, I can't wait to fly through mine. <laughs> now I can finally say it. So Katie had just tweeted last night about this book. And I Im almost immediately picked it up as soon as I read that tweet. So that's what you call influencing. So yes, <laughs> mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. And I am, it's so, so incredibly readable that I super exhausted from unpacking all day long. I was like, just a little bit, just a little bit. I have to read a bit more until my eyes finally just fell shut and my Kindle fell flat on the ground. But I'm excited to get back into it. My next pick. So this, my next pick is one of my absolute, so both the books that I talk about today are two of my absolute favorite books. So the second one is The Silent Companions by Laura Purcell. And this was the book that made me a fan of Laura Purcell's writing. I wouldn't say writing as much as storytelling because her writing is very simple, very, but it's her plotting of the story, how she unravels the plot, and then just how she knows how to tell a good story. This is this is the book that made me a fan of it. So our story is set. It, this has Rebecca, the little stranger. Sarah Waters. Sarah, yeah. The Little Stranger by Sarah Waters. Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. Like, it has very, very much of those haunted house vibes, uh, you know, like classic haunted house stories. But it's also so incredibly different. Like it blew my mind away. So... It is Victorian horror, so it's set in early 1900s, I want to say, early, mid-1900s. And it talks of Elsie, who was married, who just got married, and she was, you know, ready for a life of comfort, luxury. But her husband passes away shortly after their marriage. So now she finds herself the mistress of a huge estate, got, like, way beyond the countryside, and where all of the people who were who were at the estate who were helping her husband out they they are resentful towards Elsie because you know they haven't had a chance to get to know her along with her husband and it's just it, it's got a lot of that a lot of those you know she's really the outsider and so Elsie decides to move to her husband's uh, her late husband's estate and you know take care of that estate along with his cousin uh, so she, as, as soon as she moves in, of course, the staff is resentful. The villagers are suspicious of her. The villagers are very unwelcoming. Uh, and she's just in a, it, she's just in a very lonely state. And she's going around, you know, exploring the house. And she comes across this door in the attic where she, uh, she wants to learn more about and see what's inside. And all the staff tell her, no, 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 don't, like, don't go there. That's not allowed. And she has, she almost gets that impression that I, you know, that I own this house. Don't tell me what I can, can do. And so she goes there and she finds a cutout, a cardboard cutout that looks surprisingly just like Elsie. And so she's a little shook by it, but she's also intrigued. So she just, she just brings it downstairs. Everyone is warning her, no, do it. Like, don't do it. It's, it's not good. Don't do it. And, you know, there's strange, of course, there are all the other elements of a haunted house. Like there's noises in the attic and weird things are happening. Doors are shutting and opening. It's like the story is progressing. You, you follow Elsie as she's trying to just make sense of what's around her and 
the confines of the society, right? And then it's all well and good until that cardboard figure changes places. <laughs> <laughs> like it just changes places on its own accord. Or at least that's what it, you know, seems like. But this is another book that reminded me of The Haunting of Hill House because a lot of the horror here as well is like, is someone playing with her or is it really happening? And then the situation escalates and it just gets weirder and freakier. And the ending, oh my God, it's so good. It's so, so, it was so good that I, this was the book that turned me on Laura Purcell. She has another book out, The Shape of Darkness, which I have just borrowed from my library. It's another book that said, I think that said in a haunted house-ish setting on the moors of England and all of that. But this book is the book that made Laura Purcell an autobi author for me. It is fantastic. And it is, it felt different to me anyway. It felt different to me in terms of what had been done with this genre and what she was able to do. And her storytelling is so simple, so simple, so easy to follow, so readable. So I 100% recommend it, 100, 100%. There is some some trigger warnings for some body horror, but not, I have a queasy stomach when it comes to body horror and I was able to stomach it pretty easily. It's it's very short-lived, nothing in due detail. But a lot of it is just psychological and suspense. So fantastic. So it's again, that's The Silent Companions by Laura Purcell. Yes, that one is high up on my list and I haven't figured out why I haven't read it yet. It's so good. <laughs> I'll be bumping it up. For sure. All right. And then real quickly, my second pick is called Help for the Haunted by John Searles. And this book came out back in 2013. So it's actually, yeah, I was surprised when I realized how old or how long this book had been out. And this is a really good one if you are looking for something that has a haunted house flair, but you don't want to go full horror, if you still want to keep a foot in the like psychological suspense realm. So this book uh, starts with Sylvie Mason, who is a young girl, like, you know, 12, 13, in, maybe she's a little bit older, she's a teenager, and her parents get a call in the middle of the night in February. Her parents, they have been helping what they call haunted souls find peace. They're kind of, they're like ghost hunters slash demonologists, people who... They will exercise a person. They will clear a house of unwanted spirits. And so they've gotten late night calls before. But this one is different because they bring Sylvie along with them. They go into an old church and they leave Sylvie in the car. She drifts off, but then she wakes up again to the sound of gunfire and finding out that both of her parents have been killed. So nearly a year later, we pick up with the story where Sylvie is in the care of her older sister, who may be to blame for what happened to their parents. And so the story kind of goes back and forth between these two storylines through, you know, leading up to the crime, the months after, and Sylvie trying to figure out what actually happened. So there's a pretty, there's a pretty solid mystery here at the heart of this. And despite that, this book has really strong haunted house vibes to it. And I, I'm not 100% sure of this, but Sylvie's parents, the way they were described, their background history and all of that, reminded me a lot of real life couple Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are known for being demonologists. They also have 
they have acquired a reputation uh, throughout their career for being frauds as well. Some people believe that they are 100% legitimate. Other people believe that they are frauds. But my knowledge of the Warrens' backstory, when I was a kid, I was like obsessed with the Warrens and all of that, those types of stories. So I, I had a lot of that kind of background knowledge going in, and I just kept finding like these these parallels. So I don't know if that was intentional or not, but nevertheless, it is definitely there. And so, you know, you get that sense of like these people who find themselves in a situation where they believe that their house is haunted or that they themselves are haunted. And so there's definitely a a strong level of spookiness going into it mixed with the really strong mystery. But also there's a lot, the characterizations are just so strong. And it's been a long time since I've read this book, but I just remember being so struck by Sylvie's character. She was just, she came across as authentic and intelligent and, you know, really genuinely affected by her parents' death and the stigma that surrounded her entire family. But her character didn't, you know, she didn't become whiny or melodramatic or anything else, especially considering she's, you know, a teenage character. I just remember really, really liking her character and really rooting for her throughout the whole story. So this book just has a little bit of everything. It's got the mystery. It's got the spooky. It's got the the really strong characters. And this was this is one I've actually been meaning to pick up again, you know, and reread because it's been so long since I first read it. But yeah, I, I just, I remember really, really enjoying this book when it came out. And again, that is Help for the Haunted by John Searles. Oh, I love it. I am definitely going to add that to my list because I, like you, was, I am still obsessed with the Lorenz and just Conjuring movies are my favorite movies ever. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you like The Conjuring and you like how the movies kind of, you know, kind of go into the backstory of the Warrens while also doing Haunted House stuff, read that one. Read Help for the Haunted. Oh my God. I am am adding it to my list right now. And I especially love those (laughs) books that do a good job at balancing both, you know, the, like the mystery and the horror part. Those are my, that's my sweet spot. So I am definitely going to add this to our list. Yeah. I think you'll really like it. Awesome. And with that, that ends our discussion portion of the show. As you could probably tell by our enthusiasm, uh, we could have gone on for a while. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but that is all the time we have today. If you have read any of these picks, if you have any picks that you want to recommend to us, please do let us know a tweet at us, send us an email. We would love, love to get more and just uh, just hear your thoughts on what you thought about these books. And with that, let's move on to our new releases. So... Before I jump into mine, I'll. How about you get us started, Katie? Sounds good. So the book that I picked is Five Strangers by E. V. Adamson, which comes out on October nineteenth. So it is. It will be out by the time all of you are listening to this episode. So the basic premise is five strangers witness a brutal murder in broad daylight, but can they believe what they actually saw? So this takes place in Hampstead Heath in London, and it's really just the perfect place to spend an afternoon with friends, with family. It's got lots of beautiful views of the city, grassy hills, and on an unseasonably warm Valentine's Day, the lawns are especially full. So when an aggressive lover's quarrel breaks out, there's an audience of parkgoers nearby to hear the shouts traded back and forth and to watch as the violence escalates very suddenly to murder and then suicide. For the five strangers who observed 
what happened, the memory of the actual gore is unshakable. But one of the people, whose name is Jen Hunter, who is a disgraced journalist, is compelled to question the truth of what she thought she saw. Are the facts of the case actually as obvious as they seem, or were they obscured in the moment by the glaring sunlight? As she mounts an obsessive investigation for a seemingly impossible alternative, the lives of the other witnesses begin to unravel, each in their own way, and soon one thing becomes clear. The crime that they witnessed was more terrible, more twisted, and more far-reaching than they could ever have imagined. So yeah, this book kind of hits all of my, you know, the unreliable witness, unreliable narrator, really, you know, dark, twisted, did what hap- what actually happened, actually happened. This is ringing all of my bells. So I am really excited for this one. This one is Five Strangers by E.V. Adamson. All right. And so, and my pick is Grave Reservations by Sherry Priest. And this comes out October 26th. And this is a very fitting title for this one because Sherry Priest also has this fantastic haunted house book called The Family Plot. And if you have not picked it up, I would highly, highly recommend it. It's very, it's, it fits in perfectly with the theme of what we've just discussed in this episode. And then she also has another fantastic book, The Toll, which was a strange and a kind of horror that read that I had never read before. Like a whole road goes missing. So it was bizarre and so good. So this, with this one, this is a little bit of a, a tangent for her where she, it's not exactly cozy mystery, but it's more of like a Quirky mystery. Yeah, that's a good word. A quirky mystery. More along the lines of Lisa Lutz's The Spellman Files and Charlton Harris's Aurora Tea Garden series. So we follow Lida Foley, who is a devoted friend, struggling traveling agent, and inconsistent psychic. When Lida, sole proprietor of Foley's Flights of Fancy, impulsively rebooks Seattle PD detective Grady Merritt's flight, her life changes in ways she couldn't have predicted. After watching his original plane blow up from the safety of the airport, Grady realizes that Lida's special abilities could help him with a cold case he just can't crack. Despite her scattershot premonitions, she agrees for a secret reason. Her fiance's murder remains unsolved. Lida's psychic abilities couldn't help the case several years before, but she's been honing her skills and drawing a crowd at her favorite bar's open mic nights, where she performs clairvoyant karaoke, singing whatever songs comes to mind when she holds people's personal effects. Now, joined by a ragtag of bar patrons and pals alike, Lida and Grady set out to catch a killer and learn how the two cases that haunt them have more in common than they ever suspected. So that's Grave Reservations by Sherry Priest, uh, and this comes out October 26th. I now want to see this clairvoyant karaoke. Right? (laughs) Sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) I want this immediately in my brain, in my eyeballs, because I have read Sherry Priest's work, and she, I know she, she knows what she's doing. So it's, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun and intrigue in this one. So I am ready. All right. And that is our show. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you so much to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Singh, for always making us sound great. For show notes, you can head over to bookride.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookride.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookride.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. 
Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at Javed Nasra. That's J-A-V-E-D-N-U-S-R-A-H. And you can find me on Twitter at KT underscore Library Lady. And we'll talk to you next time. 